journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. Shavua Tov, everybody, and welcome to Chai FM. Um, this is your host, Robertson Adel Kozilski, and I'm so glad to be back with you um, on this very sunny Monday, um, a full week of work ahead of us for those of us that are able to work. Um, I know it's been pretty difficult with everybody being in quarantine, but whatever it is that we're able to do at home, even working and just chatting with you at High FM, um, is something, and you know, as as I was waiting to come online, I'm 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 still marveling at the the beauty and the the, the I don't know the greatness of communication today. Here I am sitting alone in in an office at home, and I have the controller Craig. Hi Craig, wherever you may be. Um, other guys that are, are connecting me and we're still managing to stay connected and I think that that is a marvelous and fantastic, uh, a marvel of technology but the beauty of technology, that technology has been slammed a lot for um, really creating disaster in our lives and it has because we've used it for the wrong purposes um, but it also has a tremendous benefit as we have today that I'm able to still reach you, you're still able to listen to me and still uh, be able to connect to me um, through 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 the radio. So thank you, Chai FM, for keeping things going, and thank you for everybody out there uh, for listening. We're going to pick up where we left off before the Pesach holidays, and that is, is that we're studying the book of Genesis. We're studying, studying Parshas Vayera. My teeth, I should have put them all in this morning. Parshas Vayera. And we're at the end of the story of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, a terrible destruction, a destruction that annihilated um, all the cities, four of the five cities that were in the valley that we know today as the Dead Sea. And um, as I said before in previous uh, podcasts, we understand the devastation because when we go there today, which is 3,000, 4,000 years later, you still see uh, this land to be a very, very arid one. So we're going to pick up on Chapter 19. If you're at home, you're able to uh, grab a a, uh, a chumash, the book of Genesis. We're in Chapter 19, and I'm going to really focus just on one verse today. And as always, we know that you know Torah is very timely. It's meant to be with us and we are meant to live with the times, meaning that we'll open up anything and it should be speaking to us today about something. And as I opened up um, my homage this morning to start preparing for the show today, um, uh, a small smile, you know, it came to my lips when I just saw the verse we're going to, to, to read. Um, it seems to be a very innocuous verse, but I think it's something that we can sit down and explore together because I think it's very, very pertinent during these days of quarantine in particular, um, and of course, in a much greater uh, way, it will be relevant to us moving forward even when we step out of quarantine. So it's chapter 19, verse 27. As I said, we're coming on the heels and the end of the uh, destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot and his two wives, sorry, his two daughters managed to escape. His wife turned into a pillar of salt. 
and kind of the lens moves from the situation of Sodom and Gomorrah back to where Abraham is, which is he's in the region of Hebron, and we're told the following, the Yashkem Abraham Baboker, Abraham gets up in the morning, El HaMakom Asher Amadsham Et Penei Hashem, and he stands up and he goes to the place where he stood before God. <clears throat> so here we're being told by the rabbis that what? That he actually went and he stood back in the place that he had communed with God previously. When did we know that he was communing with God previously? Well, if we go back a couple of, of verses prior to the destruction, we know that Abraham, when he heard from the angels that uh, Storm and Gomorrah were going to be destroyed, he actually had a communion. He had a discussion with God. He prayed to God, and he tried to save all the people by saying, if there's 50 people, will you save them? If there's 40 people, 30 people, 20, we know that eventually God couldn't even find 10 righteous people in that area, and therefore his prayer could not be answered, and they were, in fact, destroyed. Now we see that Abraham goes back. He wakes up in the morning, and this is now post almost in a sense um, of the, the 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 destruction of Storm and Gomorrah and um, everything has been destroyed. In fact it says by Yashkev Al Storm the Amora he gazes this is verse twenty eight he verses um, he gazes upon Storm and Gomorrah the Alkor Pane Aritz Hakikar and the whole land of the plain, of the valley, Vayar, and what does he see? Vihine Allah kitor ha'aris kitor ha'kishan. He saw a heavy smoke arising from the earth, from the earth, like a smoke of a kiln. Vayhi, I'm just actually going to read another two verses. Vayhi v'shachat elokim et are ha'kikar. God, when God destroyed all the cities in the plain, in the, in the valley, by Yiskor Elohim at Abraham, God remembered Abraham, by Yishlach at Lot Mitocha Hafecha, God remembered Abraham and he sent Lot out of this upheaval that he, he, he had turned over, Bahafoch et Arim, Asher Yashav Bahem Lot, because that's where he overturned the cities in which Lot lived. So, Kind of Abraham wakes up in the morning, he goes out to the place that he, he had davened before, the place that he, he had communion with God, lifted up his eyes, and he saw in the far distance from Hebron down to the Dead Sea, he sees a pillar of smoke, kind of like the image that, that comes to my mind is kind of like seeing the chimneys um, in Auschwitz, you know, from, from a distance, just seeing the smoke rise and knowing that there was absolute and utter devastation. Um, so that that is where where we're looking at, and very interestingly, from the very first verse that we learned today, um, verse number twenty-seven, he gets up and he comes to the place where he stood. The rabbis say something very interesting. They say, from here we learn that Abraham instituted the morning prayer of Shachrit. Because it says he stood before God, standing is an allusion to prayer, and the paradigm of prayer as we know 
is the Amidah, is the, the silent um, prayer that we say three times a day, um, which is literally done standing. So from there, the rabbis allude to the fact that who was the one that um, instituted the prayer of Shachrit, the morning prayers, it was Abraham. Consequent to this, and as obviously we will go down into the Bible and you go into the lives of Yitzchak and Yaakov, you will see there will be similar verses um, where the rabbis will derive further that um, Yitzchak then went and institutionalized the prayer of Mincha, the afternoon prayer, and Yaakov um, institutionalized the prayer of of the of, of Arvit or Mariv, the evening prayer. So Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, um, each of them gave birth to Shachrit, Mincha, and Arvit, which is pretty interesting. We're going to go for a little bit of a break now, and afterwards we are going to go and start exploring what prayer is all about, really, in essence. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Well, welcome back. And um, as we said just before uh, the break, that Abraham instituted the, um, I think I said the word institutionalized before. And if I did, I, sorry, I was actually just thinking about it. Instituted the prayer of Shachrit. And I'm going to now have a bit of a discussion with you about tefillah as a whole, about prayer as a whole. Um, and it's something I think that's very pertinent now, particularly that we're in quarantine. We have a lot more quiet time. Things are a lot, um, the noise, the noise and disruption, you know, kind of like the brain waves are a little bit more of an even kill that we have time to think. And certainly, um, we are, uh, we are, 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 are having times where we can actually sit down and pray, and I think a lot of people have turned around to prayer. So let's just talk about tefillah. First of all, it's one of the 248 positive commandments of the Torah. Um, as we know, we have 613 commandments, 365 negative and 248 positives. And one of the positive ones is that we are commanded to pray. Um, this is applicable to men, women, and children. And uh, today we have really a formalized form of prayer um, that was made up by the Anshay Knesset Hagdola, the, the uh, ecclesiastical court of 120 rabbis that actually came together and composed an order of prayer, an order of worship. Now, before prayer was made something that was um, as rigid, so to speak, and I'm going to actually talk about it not being as rigid as it is, but as formal as it is in terms of a prayer book, what used to happen was that we used to go to the temple, um, the Beit HaMikdash, and that is where we used to we used to pray, and that's it says that um, all 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 prayers would go through the Beit Hamikdash and would ascend on high. Unfortunately, as we know, our temple was destroyed twice, um, and 
Once the temples were destroyed, we are told that all the gates of heaven through which prayer could have been accepted were closed. There was only one gate that was left open, and that was the gate of tears. And from that, our rabbis learned that how does one uh, pray to God, how does one enter through the gate of tears, through, through, through speaking to God, through praying to God. Now, our rabbis, the Anshe Knesset HaGadola, um, the 120 elders that came together, understood all the mysteries of the Torah. They understood every word. They understood every letter of, of what was needed. And so they formally put prayers down in a, in a, a formal way. Uh, we have our blessings in the morning. Then we have our Pesuke de Zimra. Those are songs of praise. We have the blessings before the Shema and the blessings after the Shema. We have the Amidah. And then we have some concluding prayers like Aleinu, etc., etc. And all of these were done in a way with a lot of uh, spiritual... Um, a lot of spiritual influence and understanding that even if we ourselves, the layman, do not understand fully um, the context or do not understand what we are saying, nevertheless, the combination and the putting together of every word and every letter is powerful enough to enter through the gate of tears. That really um, then uh, will explain a very common question of somebody who says, look, my Hebrew isn't so good, I'd, and even if it is that I can read Hebrew, I don't understand everything that I say. Should I be saying the prayers in Hebrew? Well, in the first instance, the answer is yes, because they, are, they have been woven in such a way that they have a tremendous power in and of itself. And having said that, um, it would be good for us to learn more about specific prayers, maybe educate ourselves about the structure of davening, to go and understand certain words or, or, or even prayer with a transliterated or translated, uh, siddur. So as you are saying the words, you can actually read the English and understand what you're saying. So, the best is to, to pray in its, the original. Um, the second alternative is to pray in the original and have a translated commentary that you can watch. Many, many Sidurim are done in a, an incredible way where you can have, uh, you know, each line of, of, of the davening and the English words just underneath it. So it does give a bit more meaning and it does give more meaning if we study. If all of that still fails you and you find it very, very difficult to connect, then certainly God, um, who is the creator of heaven and earth and who understands, as we know, it says in Tehillim, he is able to unlock and understand the very depths of, of the heart and the brain. You can pray in any language and connect to God. Um, it's almost, I guess, we could use the analogy of a child. Certainly a child would want to have a... Um, intelligent conversation with the parent, understand the parent, have a dialogue with the parent on an intellectual level, but sometimes we're just too small to have that. And so we come with broken words, broken sentences, you know, and 
we could be even worse than that, being a very small child where we just have to let out a cry and the parent actually has to understand what it is that the child wants. How much more so with God who understands us completely if we are not at a point where we can pick up a prayer book and pray formally, understand what we're saying, then, hey, that does not mean that you cannot fulfill one of the positive commandments in the Torah. Then spend 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes um, in communion with God, speaking to God as a, a child to a father, and, you know, pour out your heart, ask for what you want to ask for, pray for what you want to pray for, and have that communication. And I think that that's something very, very positive as I said, particularly now that we are sitting in in, in an isolated uh, situation and it really does amount to each and every one of us developing our personal relationship with God. And maybe that's the silver lining um, to this dark cloud. There, there are many silver linings and I think a lot of good is, is, is coming out of this debacle that we are finding ourselves in, but perhaps one of the, 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 the good things in context of what we're speaking about is that whilst there is a huge positivity of going into a formal house of prayer, going into a shul, um, attending shul services, praying with a minion, we know the power of a minion, um, we discussed it when Abraham was trying to save the people of Storm, that he could, he, he went down all the way to one minion because the power of ten Jewish souls is incredible and all prayers are answered if we dive in a minion. One of the heartbreaks we all went through was, well now I, that has been taken away from me, like what am I going to do? How, how are my prayers going to be answered? But I think the silver lining behind it all is the fact that maybe what was lacking in our going to shul was the ability to connect to God um, personally in a very deep way. We arrived at shul, whether it was the men going for mincha and ma'arev or for shachrit in the morning for you know, during the week or, 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 or us going to shul on, on Shabbat and Yamim Tovim. Shul was something where we connected to our fellow Jews, where we connected socially. Um, maybe we were remiss in that we spoke too much in shul and we didn't pay too much attention to the prayers. Maybe because we were doing it all the time, it was by rote and we just said our prayers and, you know, like kind of like did it as a tick off the list and then moved on. Now we have the opportunity where there isn't all that, and I'm putting it in inverted commas, all that clutter, all that noise, the minyanim, the people, the brochas, the, the shul reading, who's there, who's not there, what are they wearing, who's making noise, who's not making noise, who's talking, who's not, all of that, that volume has been turned down to zero. And now when we are able to sit down in prayer, it's just you, your prayer book, and Hashem. You've got no more obstacles um, that you have to navigate in terms of giving a heartful um, a heartful plea to God um, for whatever it is that you need. So this is a silver lining, I believe, to the quarantine that we are able and should be developing our personal relationship with God. One could ask the question, 
why is it one of the 248 positive mitzvot? Like, why is it a commandment you have to pray? Why do I have to pray? For many, many people, um, you know, prayer could mean if I want to, I'll, I'll, I'll have a conversation with God. You know, if I need God, I'll speak to Him. But He knows what I'm doing. He can see what I'm doing. Why must I stop three times a day to pray? So one of the, the, the interesting, um, ideas that is given is that one of the main points of prayer is that when we stop what we are doing, or let's, let's go even before that. When we start our day, before we even get into our day and we talk to God and then we go through the day and then we stop towards the end of the day to talk to God again. Before we go to sleep or the evening comes, we stop to talk, talk to God again. What we, what we are really establishing in our lives is that throughout our day, as we go about our day, we are cognizant that there is a master of the universe, that all things that we are experiencing during the day are being directed by his word, meaning God is feeding, he's sustaining us, he's sustaining even the smallest ant. Without him, we will we come to recognize that this universe cannot exist, and therefore it is fundamental to a believing Jew to pray. And why are we obligated to pray? Because we can tend very, very easily to forget that God runs this world. And here again is another silver lining that I believe that the quarantine um, is bringing to the fore, fore, is that Perhaps one of the greatest frustrations and anxieties is that we feel we are out of control. You know, when we were involved in the world, when we were able to get, go out, go to work, go to the shops, go to the lift schemes, go have a negotiation, go to this, go to that, plan this, do that, we felt, understandably, that we were the masters of our destiny, that we, through our actions, are able to change the world. Suddenly, that world is switched off, it's closed down, and God says, now you're going to be stuck in one place. And the clutter, the noise dissipates, it goes away, and you're left with yourself. You're left with in a sense, an, 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 an emptiness, a silence that to a large extent is very, very deafening, very deafening. Um, but in that silence is where we're supposed to find ourselves and re, refine, re, um, investigate the relationship that we actually had and still have with the master of the universe. Because now what is quarantine screaming? Quarantine is screaming, guess who's in charge of the world? None of us. It doesn't matter how hard we are trying to beat the, the, the this virus, how many opinions there are in the world about, yes, it's right, no, it's wrong, China did it, they didn't do it, we did it, whatever. You can go and watch 
101 million of them. But at the end of the day, if you really close your eyes and you sit in a quiet place, you've got to come to the conclusion that there's something much greater happening here. There's a God running this world, and maybe this God is going, Hi, I'm here now. And don't give the excuse you couldn't talk to me because you had to do the one o'clock lift scheme and then, then after you had so many uh, chores to do and, and, and three business meetings and then you had to go to a wedding and a bar mitzvah and you hardly made supper. I've taken all of that away. There's time for you to talk to me now. So we've got an incredible, incredible opportunity now in the space, in this presence to reactivate, to enhance to to grow grow this place uh, of and communication with God in, in in a much more profound way and what's the lesson of it all as the rabbis come and teach us the main point of prayer is to believe that God is the master of the universe and that everything is directed by him and when we open that channel of communication then we actually see that God is very much by our side, that He is directing things, and that everything that we need, we we can we can ask for, and <clears throat> hopefully we can we can get. And so the rabbis go and tell us that that is why Shachrit Minchan Ma'ariv are um, done in in the way that they are at the time spaces that they, that, that they are because. When one wakes up in the morning, the first initial reaction of a person is, oh, I've got to get up, I've got to have breakfast, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to go here, I've got to go there. No. The first thing you do in the morning is that you should thank God for restoring your soul. You should thank God for protecting you from harm while you were asleep and helpless. And then you should meditate on the fact that God has given you health, given you strength, given you everything that you need in order to be of service of Him. That aligns you in a completely different way into how you will behave through, through the rest of the day. One of the, the, the things that is a good appendage is that we are told that one should give charity before praying. In fact, we are told that giving a little, a few coins to charity is very, very precious. Um, and one's prayers are then accepted even more. And, and any evil decree, if any, God forbid, is annulled. So that is actually um, a, a, a tremendous thing to do acts, an act of goodness and kindness before you pray. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Following up on what Rabbi Matthew just said, and where can we express our pain and our wanting and our desires? No other way but through prayer, which we are discussing now. What else can we do? So to give charity is a fantastic thing. If you have coins, you can keep um, a packet of coins next to a charity box, and before you start your prayers for Shachrit Menchan Marev, drop in a, a coin or two. 
We are also taught, taught that during the day, deeds of kindness, charity, caring for the sick, for strangers, um, accompanying the dead, visiting mourners, doing necessary favors, lending money where, where needed, etc., etc., all these deeds also help our prayers to be accepted. And again, here is an opportunity where we can become super-duper mitzvah people and go beyond uh, what we normally do in terms of kindness, etc., etc., and uh, extend ourselves in whichever way we can, despite our constrictions, and let that be a platform for um, our prayers then to be answered. Now, I just want to discuss a little bit about the silent prayer, because this is really in the verse where it says that he stood in the place um, where he spoke to God. The rabbi says particularly he was, they were talking about the Amidah. Now, the Amidah is that um, private prayer that we see people saying, um, that we take three steps back and then three steps forward, and this is as if we are going to enter into the most innermost chamber of um, of God, and it's called the Shmole Esre, and that's another word for the Amidah. Amidah comes from the word Amud to stand. Shmole Esre means eighteen, and this was a prayer that the Anshay Knesset Hagadola put together that has eighteen blessings. And the reason you'll see that you'll say Baruch Atah Hashem. 18 times, but just wait for it because there is a 19th blessing, but I'll talk about it now. It was originally 18 blessings, and we're told that these 18 blessings parallel the 18 times that Hashem's name appears in the Shema. The Yudke Vavke um, appears 18 times in the Shema, and it parallels then the 18 times of God's name. We also told that there are 18 vertebrae in the spine, and therefore when one bows at the beginning of the Amidah, and then again at Modim, at the beginning, at the end, we should bow in a way um, that we, we, we bend our, our vertebra. Now, there were 18, and 18 obviously is a significant number. It's the number of Chai, of life. We are told that um, it connects us to everything about life, and in fact, if you go through all the 18 blessings, you will see us asking God for everything that, that we need. What happened, though, very interestingly, is that an additional one um, prayer that ends with a, with, 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 with a blessing was added in, um, the verse that starts, the Lamal Shinim Al-Tihi Tikva, um, may the May our those that are wicked not have any um, have any hope. Those that are against us. This was not originally part of the Amidah, the Shmona Esra. It was added in Yavne in the time of Rabban Gamliel, which was the first century. There were many many heretics that um, began to proliferate. There were many many people that were acting very wickedly, and so this prayer was added in that may the wicked be destroyed. It was added into our daily service because we found ourselves in very, very difficult situations. So we told that the 19th blessing is in fact, um, has a parallel in the Shema, in the word Echad. Okay? Um, in the word, in the word, um, 
one of 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 of, of Hashem. So that is why we have actually nineteen um, nineteen blessings when in fact it was originally eighteen blessings. Now we are told the following couple of things that we should take into mind when we are praying. Number one, we should wash our hands and ensure that our body is clean. We should pray in a state of cleanliness. So if one um, has to stop to say Mincha Marib and one has been working, one's hands are dirty or one's body is is dirty, one should um, go out of their way and ensure that they, they clean themselves properly. The second is that um, one must be dressed properly. Um, we are told that you should wear a belt while worshipping. It's not uh, proper to pray with loose clothing. Um, a belt is something very interesting. Um, many uh, Hasidic sects, um, amongst them in South Africa, you will know um, uh, uh, with, um, with Chabad, they wear a gartel, a, a special belt that they wrap around themselves before they pray, and that is to separate the lower part of your body, which represents your materialistic um, part, to your higher part, um, which is your head and your heart, which you want to turn to God. So a separation is made. One cannot worship while um, being um, barefoot, and if one, for example, will wear a type of slipper that you usually could wear in public, then you can. But one shouldn't wear, for example, their bathroom slippers because that would be considered as if you are uh, walking uh, in, 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 in a barefoot way. We're just going to go for a little bit of a break. Afterwards, we're going to go through a number of other items of how to pray Property. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back, and uh, we're just going to discuss a few more um, practical things about prayer. We spoke about having a clean hands, a clean body. We spoke about dressing properly. We're told that we should also make sure that we daven on time. Again, this whole thing about time is that it shouldn't be that. You know, we fit God into our time frame, like, okay, I've got to do this and do this, and then I will say something to God, but vice versa, because otherwise we are destroying the whole purpose of prayer, which is for us to recognize that God is running our lives and that he is in control. So we have to put the the, the, the cart before the horse, not just run away and then let the cart try to catch up somewhere down the line. So as soon as you can, as early in the morning as you can, one should fulfill one's obligation. We know that there is this concept of nates, of people who wake up really early at sunrise and fulfill their obligation. And again, of course, to stop work for Mincha and Marev. One should also have a regular place to worship. Um, this is where we learn about Abraham, that Abraham worshipped in a fixed place. That's why it says he went back to the place where he stood before God. He created a makom kavua. He, he, he created a permanent place where he could daven. That should be a good thing. Um, obviously, now that we are in quarantine, find a specific place and use that place every single day that is um, free of distractions. Also, when one does find oneself in a set place, your mind is far more relaxed. If you keep on going all over the place, you might uh, feel all over the place. 
Um, obviously, one is not allowed to daven in a place where there is anything um, filthy around. Therefore, for example, you cannot daven in a place where a child um, is having their nappy changed or where a bad smell um, or odor is coming from a uh, bathroom or, or, or something of that that type. One is also not allowed to daven in a in the presence of nakedness. Um, so that means that one, a a person should be appropriately dressed. B, if somebody else is walking around and they're not appropriately dressed, you cannot um, pray in such a su- such a place. Also, we are told that nothing should be between the worshipper and 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 the wall. You can have a, shte- a, a stender or something, but you shouldn't have a whole lot of stuff that is is in front of you. And one particular thing is that if one has a mirror, one shouldn't be praying in front of the mirror so that you are reflected back. The whole point is that you should be in communion with God and not have any distractions. So these are some of the ideas about prayer. There's a lot more that can uh, be said. I encourage everybody to go online to Chabad.org, H.com. There are many, many places that can teach more about the formalities of prayer, the way the prayers are are uh, structured, when we pray, what we should pray. There are many, many uh, sidurim today that actually guide you through it in, in a very, very convenient and easy way. And let's use this time now while we are in quarantine to connect to our essence, to connect to our real connection, the, who is the almighty God, the master of the universe who's placed us in the situation and let us all turn our voices in prayer to ask him to release us, but to release us um, cognizant of the fact that he is indeed the master of the universe. And just to end, um, when there is no need for formal prayer, meaning you haven't done Shachrit Minchamarev, pick up a book of Tehillim. It says that Tehillim, um, Tehillim breaks all barriers and if you have a quiet time and a quiet space, you're feeling anxious you're feeling fearful, you're feeling the need to connect just pick up a book of Tehillim and say a chapter of Tehillim it's absolutely unbelievable what it does for the heart with that I give you blessings for a healthy, connected week um, may we all may the prayer be that we are all released from this quarantine well healthy, and may ultimately the most important prayer that Hashem sends us Mashiach, because with Him we will have this world restored back to a world of peace, tranquility, health, wealth, and Hashem's abundant blessings. And with that, have a wonderful week.